0: Hi Patrice. Hi Patty. Hey Roger. Hey Whitney Snow. Hello from wa- Patty, where do you live? Washington, right? Or Oregon. Hi Linda. Hi, Linda. Hi, (laughs) Erin. Hi, guys. Hi, guys back, Patrice. Hi, Diane. Hey, Christy. Nice to see you on there.
1: Excited to do this teaching on the book of Revelation, it's very relevant today. I mean, it, it's always been relevant, but it's more relevant even now. Um, last week, we uh, did the first division of the book, and we'll get into that. It's really important uh, that point, and so I'll, I'll make that again. But um, before we get started, let's pray. And Father God, thank you for this time, yes, Lord. spending your word, and we, I just thank you for everybody who's logged in right now. And we ask for your Holy Spirit as the teacher that you would teach us and open up this word and help us to understand these things so that we can apply it to our lives so we can live a life that is pleasing and sanctified in your service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, Wesley (laughs)
0: Freitas! I'm going to
1: read this. I wrote this uh, early today, and, and it's just kind of an overview of some of the thoughts that I wanted to make sure that I communicate tonight. And it says the the revelation given to John was to bring comfort to the church. To those uh, who love God, God never promised the church a trial-free life. In fact, in Acts 14.22, it says, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. The promise of a deliverance is spelled out in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18, and uh, let me just read a portion of that. It says, uh, For the Lord himself will be sent from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Mm. You know, so this is this is important. It's a foundation, and I'm trying to lay for this. It says, it goes on. It says, the Lord will call forth His church and meet us in the air. The Scripture in the verse 18 says, "Comfort one another with these words." Mark 13:19. Speaking of the time of the tribulation, for in those days there will be tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. So, you know, it's talking, you know, we saw that scripture in Acts, it says through many tribulations we enter into the kingdom of God. But we're talking about a tribulation that the world has never seen, never, never saw this kind of stuff before. So what I'm trying to do is show you what the scriptures say about the church during this particular time in history. Um, It says... uh, It says, 12 chapters in the book of Revelation are given to detail the wrath of God poured out on a rebellious mankind, combined with the scriptures throughout the Bible. More is written about this brief period than any other period in history. Hmm. The Bible says more about the tribulation period than any other time. Uh, It says, within this grim uh, portrayal, before these judgments, is a glorious rapture of the church, Revelation 4, 1 1 and 2. The church is mentioned 19 times, in chapters chapters 1 through 3 but in the 12 chapters that describe the tribulation period is not mentioned once that omission can easily be explained when you understand that the church is taken to heaven prior to the beginning of the tribulation first thessalonians one ten, to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come first thessalonians 5 9 for god did not appoint uh, us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. After all the judgments, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, the wrath in chapter uh, the wrath in chapter twenty two sixteen. Again, we see the church mentioned mm-hmm. in chapter twenty two of the very end of the book. So that's where the church comes back on the scene. Actually, in, in chapter nineteen, we come back with Jesus in chapter nineteen. Um, Can I jump in?
0: So if anybody has questions, like last week, you can ask the questions on the screen. I'll write them down, and then Pastor Jay will take the time to answer any questions you might have while he's teaching.
1: Yeah, perfect. Um, The reason why I mentioned that is we want to make sure that we are in the body of Christ, that we're looking up, because Jesus tells us to. He says, when these things begin to happen, lift up your eyes, look up, for your redemption draw nigh it says watch and pray and then in the last scripture in regards to this in preparation because what we're going to be learning about uh as we get into these the chapter two and three about the church and how jesus views these things and what he's looking for in his church the things that he is pleased with and the things that he's not so happy about but in john first uh, john the epistle first john uh chapter three it says behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So this is a I, I always say that the doc the doctrine of the Pre-tribulation, imminent rapture of the church is a purifying doctrine. It's something that will keep you on your toes because you're thinking to yourself, "He could come back today. He mm-hmm. could come back, mm-hmm. you know, before this this um, Bible study is done." So we are are living in such a way that that should be uh, with that in our minds. And you know, we are saved by by God's grace. We're not saved by works. But as I think, as we get into these chapters, things are some things might be a little bit. It should be more clear on what the Lord is looking for. Um, yeah. um, we can look at this. This is um, once again this is Asia Minor. This is in uh, Turkey. In the, um, you know you have the Mediterranean or Aegean Sea here. This is the island of Patmos where John was exiled. We talked about that last week. And these are the seven churches that you know uh, are covered in the first uh, the two chapters. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys can see that very well. Let's see. Try to expand it out a little bit. Yeah, there you go, babes. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Ephesus was the key city and it was the port city. So they were, you know, I read that they said that this is kind of a circuit that if somebody was coming to visit or or delivering mailing, they would uh-huh. kind of run on a circuit. So they would they would go first to Ephesus, then they would come up to Smyrna. Go up to Pergamum, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. We all know from reading the book of Acts and and just reading the scriptures, the New Testament, there was way more than seven churches. But these particular churches were chosen for a particular reason. And it's an interesting study, and that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, Let me say that if we would turn to chapter 2 in the book of Revelation right now, we'll we'll get going with our study here um yeah uh chapter two uh makes up the second chapter two and three actually make up the second division of the vision that john saw and, and I, if you guys will remember from last week that he said according to the outline and it's in revelation 19 uh 1 it says write the things which you have seen the things which are and the things which t- shall take place after this. Or the word in the Greek is meta, meta tauta after these things. So going over that again, the things which you've seen. John in chapter 1 saw Christ in his glorified state. The things which are are going to be these seven churches we're going to detail. And the things which will take place after this is, I believe, uh, it can be very conclusively the rapture of the church. Because the church is taken out before the wrath starts to fall. Um, Let me read these seven churches that were chosen to represent the the seven church ages. Like I said, there was more than seven churches. There was way more than seven churches. But these particular churches had characteristics that would characterize um, things that the Lord was interested in. um, The seven church ages and um, things that would be personally uh, important for us as believers that Christ is looking for. So the, the I have it written like this. I said the seven churches chosen represent seven church ages, seven literal churches that exist during the time of John, which is that map that we just showed you, and also the third reason for this is a personal examination. These are the things that will please the Lord and the behaviors that will get a rebuke from Jesus. For that's that's the reason why these particular. Um, seven churches were chosen. Remember, we said that the Book of Revelation is based on seven. It's uh, seven is the word of, of uh, completeness, and the Book of Revelation is a, the terminus of all the things that are happening before this. It's like the um, the final, uh, the final revelation, or everything comes to a conclusion in this book here. And so, um, we have seven churches, and the first one is uh, I'm going to read it in, in their. Uh, not everybody agrees with this. There's all different types of interpretations. So I am looking at all kinds of different ideas, but I, I, I tend to agree with what I'm going to say right now. I'm not going to be dogmatic about it and say it has to be this way because there's other people that have studied this and they come up with different uh, interpretations of it. But I think this is a good one. Uh, Ephesus would be the first church on the list and it would be considered the apostolic church. And as we get into the description of that, we'll see why that would be the case. That would be from Pentecost to about 100 A.D. Paul, I mean, uh, John was the last apostle that was living, the one who's, who saw Christ, and so that, that age closed at about 100 A.D. Smyrna would be the second one. It would be the persecuted church, and that era was from about 100 A.D. to 316 A.D. Pergamos was the world church, and we'll get into why that became that, that designation. It was A.D. 316 to 800. So that was uh, the the world church, or it it basically where the church was kind of absorbed by the state. Thyatira was the medieval church, 8800 to 1517, which Mm -hmm. is around the reformation time. Sardis, the rise of the state church. That means whoever, you know, if you look back in Europe and all that, whoever was in control of the state, that was the type of church that you were a part of. You know, if you go to, if you know English history and all that, whether it was, Protestant, whether it's Catholic, you know, it's kind of went back. Philadelphia was the uh, missionary church, and this was the ideal church, AD 1750 to 1900. That's when the gospel message went throughout the world. That's when the great revival or this great awakening came to the islands of Hawaii around that time. And then Laodicea, the apostate church, very sad to say 1900 to present, with a question mark, when does it end? When does it go to? Now, um, it's interesting that even though they have a breakdown of all these different churches, um, we could share uh, characteristics of any one of these churches, even though we're living in, considered the Laodicean apostate church era, we could share characteristics with the Philadelphia church or the Thyatira church or the Pergamos church. There's, there's characteristics that cross over. This isn't a hard line, but it's kind of a a sort of the, the, the way the church was during those eras. And it just kind of gives it a breakdown. Um, uh, so let's look at the, let's go to the scriptures right now. Let's see. The first church that we want to look at is uh, the church in um, Ephesus. 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 Let me get my phone unlocked here. And, then that one. and so the first church is Ephesus. And that's Revelation chapter 2. And then we're going to read 1 uh, through 7. And it says, to the angel, so this is, once again, this would be considered the apostolic church, and that age would be about the beginning of, of from Pentecost to 100 AD. And it says, to the angel, which is the messenger or the pastor of the church in Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, And you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from wherever you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come and quickly remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So there's a breakdown in these letters that is very similar to each other. Each one of these was was a, a letter written in red. So these are the words of Jesus Christ. These are an epistle by Jesus to this particular church. But it is also a letter to us as as, uh, part, our, as part of the body of Christ, and we look at these things and we learn from what he's saying here. And so the the first thing he says is it's given to the angel. It's been it's been scribed. It's going to be transcribed, and it's been given to these people and taken to these churches. And these letters were circulated, and they they were probably circulated throughout the, the whole church community at that time. And it says these things. He says it holds the seven stars. So we're going back to the first chapter where we saw the vision of Christ. And that was the thing that he saw. He says, I'll show you the mystery of the seven stars that were in my right hand, which is right. It it says the um, seven golden lampstands and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So he gave you the description of that in chapter one verse 20. And so he's, he's giving a description of himself and this is common throughout these, these letters, each one of these, these letters. He, he, he gives a vision from what John saw, and then it goes on and, it's, and it's, it's pertinent to the church itself. It says, I know your works. This is also common to all the letters. God knows us, Jesus knows us by our works. He says, I know you by your works. I know your works, your labor. And he's gonna list the things that he's looking for. He's first gonna give a commendation. These are the things that I like. And then there's going to be a rebuke after that or something that he would like to see changed. So he says, I know you're, you're, by your works, your labor, patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and have not and have found them liars. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's important for us to be concerned about pure doctrine, right doctrine, people that are right. You know, as they're, if they're teaching and they're going around and they're giving a message, if that message is right to the word of God. But there's also a way uh, that we could get—we can get so legalistic in our in our uh, performance of that duty to guard the word of God that we become very regimented, very um, uh, legalistic, and unloving. And this is a rebuke from the Lord. He says uh, that you have preserved. Let me see. Uh, evil and tested them as the apostles and found them liars. And you have persevered, which is good, to have patience. And you've labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. All very good things, very good characteristics of being a long-term Christian. Those things will, you know, as you do the work of the Lord. These are all things that you could give into, or you got to fight those <laughs> things that you don't become this in, in the process of it. And we need to pray for that grace to be upon us. But this is the rebuke in, in verse four. It says, Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. And it's a serious. Uh, egregious um, thing to the Lord. It says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and he's speaking to the church now, he says, repent and do the first works, mm-hmm. or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Mm-hmm. So help us, Lord, to, you know, when, when you read the Word of God, it's always, 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 it's it's always the high point that we aim for, and, and it's, a, it's a high mark. But it's always love the lord is always wanting us to be motivated by love and help us lord to do that because you know you do get weary in doing the work you get you get used you get disappointed you get you know you get jaded and help us lord not to fall into this trap here or fall into this thing it says but you have uh he he commends them also in verse six but this you have that you hate the deeds of the nicolaitans which i also hate he who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Uh, he who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You remember, um, I said that the term, the, the book of Revelation, is the wrap up of the things that began in the book of Genesis. You remember what happened in the book of Genesis? Where Adam and Eve they sinned and they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And there was an angel with a flaming sword that prevented them from eating from the tree of life. Here, that's being restored. And the promises made to those who overcome is uh, i'm going to allow you to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of god you remember when jesus was on the cross and he told the thief this day you will be with me in paradise mm-hmm. that paradise is not the same paradise where the thief on the cross with. And the paradise that we go to now when we die jesus led captivity captive when he resurrected he took everybody up into heaven right now and they're waiting up there right now and that paradise is, is so glorious. And it's and the church is being congregating up there. Uh, the the um, chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews says, you know, there's, there's a cloud of witnesses. In the general assembly in the church of the firstborn is assembled up there right now. Old Testament saints, New Testament saints. And they're waiting, waiting, waiting for the fullness of the number to come in. And so, you know, so there's several things that are common to all the, the letters here. It's like I said, uh... You know, he, there's a, I know you by your labors. He gives them um, the commendation. He gives a rebuke. Some of the churches don't have a rebuke. They, they did a great job and, and the Lord had nothing to rebuke them. The next church is going to be a peace in that. He's going to give them an instruction. And then all of the churches, every one of them has this in verse 7. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then the promise is to the overcomer. Yeah. We want to make sure we're overcoming. Yes. We want to make sure we're overcoming. Amen? Um, you know, in, in the book of 1 John, it, it talks about overcoming. And it says this in 1 John 5, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who is begotten also loves him who is begotten of him. Once again, the high point of love. By this we know that, that, that we love the children of God, that we love God and keep his commandments for the love of God and we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is He who overcomes the world but He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, mm-hmm. but Lord help us to show that belief by our acts, by our love towards those within the church and even those who are out without the church. That's a really important thing to the Lord. Um, you know one of the things that he mentions here is the Nicolaitans and uh, you know everybody wants to, what is the Nicolaitans it's mentioned in, in uh, the next church also and uh, it's, uh, it's sort of an interesting thing and uh, should I mention it now I'll just mention it now <laughs> Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans is made up of, of two, um, this comes from uh, verse 6 of chapter 2 it says but this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which the Lord also hates. So it's interesting, you know. A lot of times we say, "Oh, Jesus is love, love, love." But Jesus is also he. You know, it, it says, "Let our love be without hypocrisy." You know, uh, love what is good, hate what is evil. So there's a there's a distinction there. But he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans is made up of two Greek words, Nico. Nico, meaning to overcome, and Laodics, meaning the lay people. Um, so it's it's somebody who wants to lord it over the lay people. It's a hierarchy, meaning the lay people wanted to build a hierarchy within the church. Possibly a doctrine brought in uh, by one of the first deacons. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting in the book of uh, Acts six one through five is when they appointed all the deacons. You remember that the church mm-hmm. was growing so much, right? And the last one that was mentioned, his name was Nicholas. And so some people think that he uh, kind of brought in a, a wrong doctrine, this guy Nicholas, and uh, uh, it w- he had possibly uh, Gnostic beliefs. So belief that matter was evil, you know, the physical body was evil, that, and and the spirit was good. So they made a, a, a doctrine that says, if I sin with my body, it's no big deal, because my spirit is, is what's saved, so it doesn't matter. And... Uh, is good, so whatever sin done in the flesh is alright, it has no effect on the spirit. So it's a false doctrine that came in early on, you know, So th- through this uh, person possibly called Nicholas, who could have been the first deacon. I, I, I don't know how speculative that is, but I found that interesting in researching that because it's hard to find information about Nic- the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, but I thought that was kind of an interesting detail. Okay, um, what time do we got now? Yeah. Okay. Um, we're moving on to the persecuted church. So this would be the angel. Well, let me see if I had some images. Also, I had a, a few images of Ephesus. Um, oh, sorry. This was the temple of Artemis True. in in uh, Ephesus. You remember when in in the book of Acts where they were bringing the gospel there and and he he, he brought up um, there was uh, somebody there who, who said wow if these guys are preaching this gospel message we were making our money off of making idols to artemis and if we need, they do this we're going to be out of a job so they stirred up the crowd and they said for two hours the people cried out artemis is the great you know is our great god her image fell down from heaven and this is the temple that they built for Artemis in Ephesus. So you can see that these guys are really pagan. Hmm. they were really giving over to pagan worship. And uh, for two hours, man, they, they just said, you know, that this Artemis was the great God, you know, the great uh, idol that, that they were worshiping. And, uh, yeah, where is this story?
0: It was in Acts, right? It was in Acts. Right.
1: Yeah, here it is. It, it was called Diana, but another name for it was Artemis. And um, this, and they drew, this is Acts chapter 19, verse 33. They drew near Alexander of the multitude of the Jews, putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out, For two hours, great is Diana of Ephesus. And when the city clerk, had quieted the crowd they said men of ephesus what man is there who does not know that the city of the ephesians is the temple guardian of the great goddess diana and the image that fell down from zeus therefore since these things cannot be denied you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly for you brought these men here who are neither robbers or of temples nor blasphemers or your goddess therefore demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone and so it goes on from there, but this was, this is where the gospel was being preached on that first, you know, in Ephesus, the first church that was listed very pagan, mm-hmm. but the gospel did a work here and, and many, many, many people got converted and began, king of Christ. This was one of, this building was so tremendous. It was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and just some of the ruins of it uh, remain uh, to this day. This is, you know, some of the ruins that exist in Ephesians. And, you know, there's the, the, the rebuke from the Lord. They left their first love. And, you know, they had an amphitheater there that I forget how many thousand people this thing would sit. It's a very sophisticated city, very wealthy uh, trade city. Um, one, of the, one of the most um, influential cities in the Roman Empire at that time. Here's another view of the amphitheater that was there. This is where Paul would be preaching. All right. Okay. So moving on, we'll go. Up, we're, we're moving on to the persecuted church, which is um, the church at Smyrna. Uh, it says, "And to the angel of the church of Smyrna." So you see, the breakdown is is, is the same thing. Um, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. You're going to see why that why that. Um, he, he mentions that in the first chapter of the book of Revelation, but it's, it's it's meaningful to this particular church because they're under persecution. It says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You remember I said that last week, I said that there's rewards, or I think it was on the Bible study on, on Monday, that uh, the, the rapture of the church is a reward. And this here, it's saying uh, there is a crown for a martyr. It says if you be tested and have been uh, faithful 10 days uh, until death, you will have the crown of life. He who hasn't here, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death so everything that is written in there is very concise it's very important it's very meaningful so the first thing he addresses to them he sends this this um, letter uh, to the angel of the church or the messenger or the pastor of smyrna smyrna was also affiliated with myrrh that would be um, used in burial and they hmm. said the smell of that was uh normally it came out like crushing it you know so even here, as the church is mm-hmm. being persecuted, the church is growing. And the fragrance of the church is, is, is being smelled. <laughs> and it, it's always the case. Whenever there's persecution, the church doesn't shrink. The church grows. People people are are uh, uh, inspired by the fact that people believe in what they believe in to the point of death. And so in Smyrna, that smell of, of uh, burial... Uh, that, that sweet smell that even they anointed the body of Christ with, and that name is affiliated with that. He says, and there's no rebuke to this church. This is this is a persecuted church. Is there persecuted churches on this in this hour? Yes. There's persecuted churches in China. There's persecuted churches in Africa. There, I believe persecution is coming to America. You know, they're, they're really stirring things up. Uh, to try to make uh, Christians the the um, enemy and and uh, Jesus said that in the last days You will be hated by all people for my name's sake. Eh? It says I know your works. Uh, once again, oh Let me let me get back there It says these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life You see all that's important to this <laughs> church. Eh? It's a it's an address. It says uh I know your works, once again he knows us by our works, so the works are interesting though, the, the works of this church are tribulation and poverty, but you are rich, you know, God looks at things differently than the world does, you know, he, we, we're going to see that in the last church also, he, he makes a, a mention of that, that it says, I know the blasphemy of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but of the synagogue of Satan, there was a, a Group of people in the early church they were called Judaizers. They were constantly trying to convert. Um, they were trying to convert the Christians over. This says, "Oh, if you're if you're really a Christian, you have to do these Jewish things." And trying to impose these things. And they were they were saying, "This is not this is not the message." Jesus delivered the church from that. Hmm. It says uh, uh, it says in verse ten, "Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer." Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. There was another uh, person that was commenting on this, and he said that there was uh, persecution under Domit- Domitian, who was one of the emperors. And they said he did have a period of, of tribulation that the church did go through that was 10 days. He says, I want full-blown persecution of these Christians for 10 days. And, you know, I didn't, I don't re- research that. I just, I'm going on this man's word. And I, I trust him. He's a good Bible teacher. So he said there was a period of history uh, during Domitian's reign where they tribulated the church for 10 days. True. It's, be, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. When a, when a person dies in faith in Christ, uh, we don't really die. We, we go to sleep, you know, and, and a crown is given, a, a particular reward or a crown, a martyr's crown is given to that particular church it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Thank and you, Lord. And you ask yourself, What is the second death? Well, there's a, you know, it says, uh, uh, Die once, or, or uh, how, how does the thing go? want <laughs> <I don't> to <laughs> George Bush. <while>. Right. Like, or, or if you're born twice, you die once. Right. If you're born once, you die twice. Right. Right. Yeah, that's the same. <laughs> like <Forgive> me. <laughs> yeah. Fool me once. <laughs> <laughs> but so that, you know, when, we, when we're when we born again, you know, uh, we, we are promised eternal life at that point. So we only are going to die once. But those who have never been born again, when they die the first time, they're resurrected a second time. And then at the very end of the book of Revelation, we're going to see this great white throne judgment where they're judged. They're judged according to their deeds. But by by the deeds of the law or man's own righteousness, no man will be justified, you know, in, in that. So, and, and at that point, they're consigned to the lake of fire, you know, so it's a fearful thing. But if you're born again, you're in Christ, you, you, you die, you're, you're, uh, this life is dead in Christ and you only die once. And you're going you're gonna to live again, right? So you're born again, born twice. So that's the Church of Smyrna. Um, the the next church on there is the to the angel of the Church of Pergamos. Uh, Pergamos right. Mm-hmm. So once again. Any pictures? I have some pictures, but not really pertaining to to that more that temple.
0: Okay, the most smuggerness.
1: I can I can uh, just highlight this right here. So we're on Pergamos. It says the deceived church, um, occultic, immoral, heretical. This Man, is interesting. Is. So we're, we're, how fast the church, you know, kind of uh, went into this. So we, we looked at the... What the, is
0: Smyrna? Just, just, just go down to Smyrna. So like show them Smyrna. Smyrna. Yeah. So Smyrna, Smyrna was... suffering church. Wow. Tested, tried, and tried. And then we go to this one, huh? Yeah. Uh,
1: wow. Pergamos. So Pergamos... I really, I didn't really find a definition of the name. I know that it is meaningful, though. Uh, Pergamos. Um, let me read this about Pergamos. Pergamos was the Roman capital in Asia, and the seat of pagan authority. Thus, Satan's throne was there. The Church at Pergamos was guilty of seeking to please society uh, uh, rather than the, the rather than the Lord. Pergamos had the largest altar in the world to Zeus. Many pagan doctrines came out of this era or this place, huh? So we're going to let's read about Pergamos. It says, the angel of the church of Pergamos write, these things Says he who has the uh, sharp two-edged sword. What is the two-edged sword according to the word of God in, in Hebrews 12? That's the two-edged sword. The word of God is, is sharper than any two-edged sword able to cut between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. It's the uh, uh, discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So even when we saw Jesus the first time and they saw him and he said, man, he had a, a, a sword that went out of his mouth. It was the, the, the reality of the word of God. When he spoke, it was like, oh, it, it was cutting, you know? So here, th- this is the way you avo- avoid these false, false doctrines is by the sharp two-edged sword. So sure. in verse 13, it goes on. I know your works and where you dwell, where s- Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even... In the days which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed amongst, uh, among you where Satan dwells. So uh, Antipas, they said, was the bishop of uh, Pergamos. He was the bishop of the church over there. And they said that he was put into a brazen bull. They would heat this bull up. It was, it was hollow on the inside. And uh, they would throw somebody in there. And, and it was like a furnace. And he was martyred for the faith in them. He was mm. killed. He was a faithful, he didn't deny the Lord. He was a faithful martyr amongst those. And it says where Satan dwells. It says, but I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idol and to commit sexual immorality. So once again, this probably is the beginning of the Gnostic gospel. And, um, you know, we there's a big... Um, there's a lot to be said in the book of Corinthians about eating things that are sacrificed to idols. When these um, pagan deities, they would have an idol and they would sacrifice the meat to that and then, you know, say, well, oh, this was dedicated to so-and-so. And it's, apparently there was these pagans there. And this is where the pagan beliefs started uh, creeping into the church and affecting the church. And uh, so they would they would say, well, it's all right, you know, you, we can do this. And I, I even think to myself, you know, how... Um, how, how over time uh, pagan rituals or things can come into the church that shouldn't have been there, that, that defile the church. And uh, he's talking about the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things, sacrifice to idols, commit sexual immorality. So if we know the story from the Old Testament that Balaam uh, was hired by Balak, And he said, curse the children of Israel. He says, I can't curse them. God has blessed them. And he says, well, I got, eventually, he wanted the money so badly. This prophet wanted the money so badly. He goes, I know. I got an idea what you can do. Invite them to your festivals. Invite the women. Have the men of of the uh, children of Israel have sex with them and and, uh, sacrifice things to the idols. Then God will have to curse them. He'll have to bring judgment on them. So this same thing, the devil is, is going around and he's looking for a way and he's getting these men to come in with these, these false doctrines and to bring in things that are going to bring not blessings, but bring curses onto the church. And this is what's going on here. And the Lord is rebuking that. Thus you also uh, have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I also hate. So once again, this hierarchy starting up even within um, Pergamos. So there was a hierarchy, this is the priesthood, these are the laity, we're over them, we're going to tell them what to do, and you know, just bringing in false doctrine, that's not what the Lord wanted. It says uh, in verse 16, Repent, or else I will come, and quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Once again, the Word of God, I'm going to to rebuke you by the Word of God, Uh, uh, and it says, with the sword of my mouth verse 17 he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches to him who overcomes i will give some of the hidden manna to eat and i will give him a white stone on the stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it so in every church there's a there's um you know there's a commendation these are the things that you're doing good These are the things that needs to change. If you do that, then you're an overcomer, and then there's a promise that was given. You know, the last church, the the persecuted church, like I said, there there was basically that breakdown, but there was no rebuke to them. But this one was, it was, these things are good. But these things mm. need to change, yeah. you know. So this is a good way that to, to go through these things and, and examine ourselves in light of this report card of the Lord and say, wow, Lord, am I doing something? Am I participating in things that I shouldn't be? Is there anything here that's out of order? You know, and it's a good thing for, you know, as, as, a, you know, as a church or leader in the church to, to look at this list here and say, man, I don't want to be doing anything that's going to be against this. Or right. help me to do the things that the Lord wants and is pleased with. Okay, so that would be, um, this church area, era would be considered when about 300 A.D. and uh, you know, when, when we did that breakdown of the, the church ages, and it was, uh, let's see, Pergamos, and Pergamos was the world church, and it was about 316 uh, to 800. What happened in 316, there was, Christians were just really, really. The, the, the message of the gospel was taking off in the Roman Empire, and they were trying to kill these guys off. And every more, the, the more they killed them, the more they multiplied. And so finally, they're like, This is a problem. And it's supposedly, that Constantine's mom was a Christian, was, and he was the emperor of, of Rome. And so he. Uh, they, they claimed he had a vision. He was ready to go into a battle, and he saw this vision in the heavenly realm, and it was a, a vision of the cross. And, and, you know, I don't know how much of this is church tradition and how much is true, but this is what, what, how the story goes. And he says, as he's ready to do this invasion into the city, he says, paint this sign on your crosses, and, and you will prevail, which doesn't really sound like something the Lord would do, but I do <laughs> So he did it, and then he says, that's it, I'm a Christian now. And not only that, all of Rome is going to become Christian. Was that a good thing? I don't think so, you know, because it, it, what happened at that point, this is where all these pagan traditions started coming in and pagan idolatry, because what he basically did was say, everybody who's in Rome now is a Christian. Rome right. is a Christian uh, empire. And everybody who's part of the Roman empire is a Christian now. So you can imagine all the pagan traditions and things that just got absorbed into the church at that point. Right. And it really started getting skewed at that point. And so that's the, that area, that area, so, or, or era, I should say. So Constantine became a, the Western Roman Empire. He soon used his power to adjust the status of Christians, issuing an edict of Milan in 13, uh, 313 AD. This proclamation legalized Christianity and allowed freedom of worship throughout the empire. So sort of good, but probably really bad over, over a long time, because this, we're really seeing in, in my Bible, it's called the Compromised Church where the church and state merged together. It was more like a convenience or, you know, well, let's call everything Christianity. Yeah. It just kind of went askew at that point. And then it's really going to go bad here in, in um, uh, the last church that we're going to look at tonight, which is the, the Church of Thyatira. Before I go there, though, um, you know, he was talking about the seat of Satan and, you know, this this throne. And I think this is an interesting detail. Um, let me get here. This is... Um, the altar of Zeus, and this is actually in Berlin. This was taken apart and reconstructed in Berlin, but Her. it actually came from uh, Pergamos. Her. Her. And it, it seems like the Germans, during these days of exploration, they wanted to preserve this. You know, nowadays this would be absolutely unpolitically correct. You'd never be able to pull this off. But this was in the turn <laughs> of the century, okay. and they brought this thing over. I don't know if this thing really had. It, it was right around the time of World War One that this thing got moved here, and it's called the Seat of Satan. And we know that Germany was responsible for World War One and also World War Two. And if you watch um, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's a lot of truth to what they were saying there. They were going around the world and picking up these uh, these uh, artifacts, artifacts right? and relics that they supposedly had power. And they even got the Sphere of Destiny, which was the, the supposedly the Roman Sphere that pierced the side of Christ. And the theory was that if you own that, you have that, you could have world domination. So I don't know if this had any theory. theory. That was a theory? <laughs> and so here's a picture of that. Um, here's uh, another picture. And then here I find this interesting. This is Nuremberg during the Nazi era. And uh, I, I think it was Albert Speer, who was Hitler's chief architect, probably designed this. But it looks very similar to the throne of Satan. This this thing. This is where they would do all their huge rallies uh, before World War II and during, you know, while they were building up to take over the world. And uh, I find it interesting that that looks very similar in architectural style to that same um, seat of Satan there. And then this one is even more. Trippy. This is here, Barack Obama. I think this was in Denver when he was running his campaign. And some people gave Barack some heat from this. They go, what does he think he is? Some kind of Greek god? But even this is kind of reminiscent of that that, uh, architectural style of the seat of Satan. Enough said on that. (laughs) I just find that interesting that, uh, that that was done in that style. All right, so we're getting to the last church. The last church is or not the last but the last of chapter two. You have and a picture so, of them. Yeah, I don't have anything for this last ah, Okay, let, me, let just me just go back to that. Government image here. So we're gonna go to Thyatira and it says Jezebel's church, manipulation, intimidation, and domination. Hmm. Thyatira and uh, Tyra, Thyatira, some, somewhere it's almost means like a crown. It, it, it uh, the word Thyatira means a crown and so. Ver- Verse uh, 18 of chapter 2, it says, To the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know your works, your love, service, faith, and patience. As for, for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Mm-hmm. I find this interesting here. Number one, the way this church is addressed. I think, you know, I mean, might be uh, wrong in this, but I, be- I believe that this Diatyra model is the more formalized Catholic church mm-hmm. as it's taken on its form. And um, I think that this woman Jezebel, you know, you hear of these uh, Marian apparitions you know, and, and if you're a Catholic, what I'm about to say, you would say this is this is like how dare you, but it's it's the word of God. You know what I mean? That where they say that it was Mary and there's a veneration of Mother Mary and there, she she's considered a co-redeemer. All these doctrines didn't happen immediately. They I read a book I read actually two books on this topic. One was The Woman Rides of Beast, and the other one was the two Babylons, and they detail this how over centuries, you know, this church goes back centuries. And they claim that one of their claims is apostolic succession. That they say our church, the Catholic church, can be tied back to Peter as the first apostle. That's not accurate. We already saw that there was 300 years of church history that preceded this. And But this thing metastasized into this organization now, the church and state, and it goes on and it, and it just comes into a political machine. And, and there's, there's um, false visions and things that are going on here. And even the uh, their mass, the mass of the Catholic Church is a different uh, communion than what uh, Christ originally talked about. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's a pagan ceremony where they're cloth claiming uh, transubstantiation, which means the actual transformation of the bread and the wine into the physical blood and the physical body yeah. of Christ. And not only that, they say that every time that they perform that, they're re-sacrificing Christ on an altar. And so here, I don't know if that has a bearing on, you're sacrificing, you know, things in, in front of idols. You look at a Catholic altar, it's just loaded with, with statues and images and icons. So, these things, uh, it says, to commit sexual immorality. So uh, Verse 20, once again, nevertheless, let us have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, and guard herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, and to commit sexual immorality, and eat things sacrificed I gave time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of the need. Right now, you know, the Catholic Church is really trying to consolidate their power with this concurrent Pope, to the point of its making even some really um, stark, staunch Catholics very concerned. It's like, what is this guy doing? You know, he's... he's He's butting up to Muslims and pagans and this and that and he's really trying to craft together uh, more of a political uh, power base and a world government as well as a world religion and some Catholics are very uncomfortable with with this but yet he's going at it at, at, at light speed and so He's talking about, this is why it's very, very, uh, you have to be very careful in this day and age about an ecumenical movement, which means that's a merger between everybody. All religions are equal. All all faiths are acceptable. And even to uh, gather together in union with the Catholic Church with, with an ecumenical movement that is a, about global, he's about environmentalism, and all these kind of things that are, have nothing to do with Christ. And it says, it says that, uh, I he will
0: cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery refer to the great
1: tribulation. So it's talking about the great tribulation. So you be careful to be merged with this kind of, this harlot. We're going to see that more in the book of Revelation. We go, unless they be kind of the heat, I will kill her children with death, and all the children, all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. I will give to each one according to your works, according to the things that you do. It's interesting, though, he's going he's to talk about something here because, you know we, know, we all know some Catholics. We know Catholics that are, are, you know, good people, and they love Jesus, and he makes provision for that. In, in verse 24, it says, Now I say to you and to the rest of that Tyre, as many as it do not have this doctrine and have not known the depths of Satan, uh, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. So there's people who are part of this, who, who are opposed to it, and they're, they're just simple believers in Christ. And, and he says, I'm not going to put any more burden on you. It says, he who overcomes, uh, hold fast what you have till I come. So he's, he's putting that out there to those people who are just part of this. Uh, just hold fast to the faith that you do have. And he who overcomes and keeps the works until the end, to him I'll give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron; they shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel. Mm-hmm. As I also have received from my Father, and will give him the morning star. He was an ear that him mm-hmm. hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hallelujah! We're cutting that Yeah. So these are, um, you know, if, as you look at that, uh, look at that breakdown. Kind of like I said, there's a there's a, um, a mention of, and even I'm going back, you know, to how he's addressing himself. In here, He says, these things says the Son of God, whose eyes are like a flame of fire and their feet are like grass. That's like a, a mention of judgment. But one of the things that um, uh, what the Catholic Church really makes a brag about was they talk about Mary, Mother of God. You know, they always say that Mary, Mother of God. Look at how he dresses himself to this church. These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet. Let's get this straight here. Mary, yes, she did birth me, but I am the son of God. Yes. Don't, don't get this twisted, you know, where, they're, where the Catholics... And, and as I read that book, the two bad ones, they said that the Catholic Church did not come on the scene with all these false doctrines. It says over time, these popes, because they were considered infallible, they made these doctrines that, that came in. They said that, you know, when you hear about the Immaculate Conception, they're talking about the fact that Mary had no original sin. And that's not right. That's not right. You read the the gospel account. It says that she calls the Lord her Redeemer. She's calling that She needs a Redeemer. And so there's things that came in over the ages. If they would have tried to push these things one time, people would have rejected it. But it came in slowly in these decretals or these uh, papal bulls, they called it, where what the Pope said was infallible. So he's speaking on behalf of God. So you can't refute it. It has equal credibility as the Word of God. So this is all these, these errors that come in over time. And Jesus is speaking to the, you know, the rank and file of the church who just love the Lord. He says, that don't, don't get into these doctrines of devils or doctrines of Satan, but just hang uh, fast what you have in Christ. And so, you know, that, that's the word, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, giving that word once again. He's giving the commendation, these things I like, these things I don't like. Uh, and then he's also, you know, he's saying he who has not here to hear that I'm here and this is the ones who overcome in those situations. So you're going can, you can, to, as you read on, there's, there's three more churches that we're going to get into next week. As you read on, you can see that pattern. You go ahead and study it read it, you know, when considering some of the things that I said, be a Berean, go do your own research, look it up. Don't just believe this because Pastor Jay said so. You know, I'm still learning these things. And, and I'm like I said, I'm not going to be dogmatic about everything that I spoke tonight. I mean, that's a, I've, I've researched these things for years. I've, I've listened to the Bible scholars, and I've discerned this, this information that I'm giving you tonight. And um, I just pray that it was accurate, you know, to history and accurate to the, you know, what, what the Lord is, is speaking here.
0: Yeah, and if you guys do have questions, let us know. The only question we had was from Angela, mm-hmm. which is my classmate. Hi, Angela. We are off Mako Mako Street, um, highly mighty. There's a big sign saying Church of the Firstborn. When you're on that street, next to the gym, we are not open for live services yet, but when we are, we'll let you know. Yeah. So you want in prayer? Yeah.
1: And, you know, if, if if we have any Catholics out there that are listening to this, you know, Gretchen and I were Catholics, you know, and, uh, back in the day, I, I used to think, who would want to, not want to be a Catholic? A Catholic was the original church and all these things that we used to believe. And then as I read the Word of God, and I was thinking to myself, why didn't the Catholics teach me these things? Why didn't they just give me the simple message of the gospel? Why didn't they, you know, share, you know, how to be saved, how to be born again, all these things? And I was kind of, you know... Um, Amazed that at, at the simplicity of the message, yet there's so much more that could have been done. And um, uh, what I said was not to offend in any way any Catholics that are listening. I love anybody who loves Jesus, you know, but this is what the Word of God says. And I believe that this is a, you know, I've read a lot of books and I've read, done a lot of study. And I believe what I'm saying is accurate. And it's not to bring offense to anybody, <laughs> but it's, it's uh, Jesus loves us. And uh, he's looking for these very things. These are the things that if we study these letters here, we'll understand, okay, this is what he's looking for in our life, yeah. all right? Yeah. Okay, well, let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for your grace. We yes. thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that um, we do overcome. It says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And Lord, we pray for the courage to love not our lives even unto the death. Yes, That Lord. the thing that we overcome with, is our love for you and our faith, Lord. And, and a, a faith is a gift. It says that um, that our faith, that we're saved by grace through faith and that not of itself. It is the gift of God, not of works as any should boast. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of our faith. We thank you for the salvation of the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we could meditate on this word and go to study ourselves and find out whether these things be so. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.